Now, this morning, before we uh, break open the Christmas story again, we have a really special privilege and something I'm really excited about because we have Lauren Popchick with us. And uh, a couple weeks ago, she emailed me and said, come on up, Lauren. She said, I'm going to be around. Do you want me to come? And I was like, of course we want you to come. We love you. (laughs) She is the first one that we ever had the privilege of supporting as a missionary. Um, And she's just us. She's just part of us. So we love her to death. Um, And what I wanted to do is have a chance for us, after she's done sharing a little bit about the update, and then there'll be a video, I want to give you a chance to share with her. Again, just like last week, there's no pressure to this. Our regular offering's in the back, and you give back there. But we're going to pass a plate around as a love offering for Lauren to give whatever God might put on your heart towards her. Uh, So you give, and if you don't have it with you this week, again, there are envelopes back there. You can mark it off and give it whenever you feel convinced about that. But we're going to do that after uh, she gets done sharing kind of what's going on in her life uh, and what God's doing through her and in her, and then the video. Uh, So we'll do that after that. So Lauren, share with us what's going on. Good morning, everyone. I do love coming here, and I have to say it's interesting because a lot of the times when I do come here, I sort of have planned, you know, the whole way I'm driving, I'm always like, okay, this is what I'm going to talk about, and I kind of make my what to share with the church plan. And usually, every time I'm here, and I always sit over in this corner, usually next to Lois Hartwell, uh, it's like the Holy Spirit sort of says, okay, that's what you wanted to say, but this is what I want hope to hear. And so I always have to be willing to throw out my idea And listen to the Father, because what he wants to say is way more important than what I ever want to say. Um, So what the Lord really impressed on my heart was to share with you uh, a little bit about me trying to be daring in my faith. And maybe this will resonate with some of you. Maybe some of you are sitting right there in your seat thinking, okay, everyday life, Christmas is upon us. What does this all really mean? And so um, something that the Lord really impressed on my heart was to share with you how someone who is ordinary can live extraordinary through God. And that's sort of my journey, my story. I'm a Jersey girl um, who was plucked out of South Jersey and sent to Guatemala um, to, to speak on behalf of those who can't speak for themselves. And so God has me in Guatemala. Um, I'm about to celebrate my 14th year in Guatemala, which is impossible because I didn't go to Guatemala with any gray hair, and I certainly possibly couldn't have any now. But 14 years have passed, and that, you know this is family, so I'm just being honest with you guys. Um, but just this past uh, few weeks, I started to think back on 14 years of a journey of living by faith, uh, it changes a person. And I'm honored that God would choose me and that he would choose a church like you to come alongside me, to pray for me, to support me, to make sure that God's calling to the nations is being carried out. So in Guatemala, um, I work at a Christian school, Wisdom and Grace Christian School. This year, this past year, we had 400 Guatemalan students. And out of the 400, we had 140 of them were in our child sponsorship program. And that's my area is child sponsorship. Um, and so it's, a, it's an exciting time to be uh, in Guatemala. It's an exciting time to be working in God's kingdom because a lot of things are changing. A lot of things are moving. And God keeps bringing a theme up over and over and over. And it comes out of Ephesians 3. And we're going to read Ephesians 3. But before we get to that, um, I want to tell you a little bit about the faith journey of starting to read God's word and to know who God is as our father, to know who God's character or what God's character is, it changes the way that you pray. And so that's sort of been my journey this year is God saying, okay, now you know that I'm good. Now you know I'm a father and I love you. Now let's see other aspects of my character so that when you pray, you can pray boldly. When you pray, you can circle whatever it is that you're praying about and you can believe because you know who I am as a father. So living in Guatemala, 
I have a lot of different things that I'm praying for. I have a lot of different needs. Um, but God keeps saying, just so you know, Lauren, I can do far more than you can ask or imagine. Ask or imagine. Ask or imagine. And that's the theme that keeps coming up from Ephesians 3, that he is able to do far more than we could ask or imagine because he's a good, good father, because he loves us, because all of the riches are his. And so um, in in this journey of trusting God for every aspect of my life, sometimes you have to humble yourself and you have to say, these are all the things that I'm asking for other people, but these are actually my needs. And so um, my, my role in Guatemala is in child sponsorship and in teaching Bible. And so a lot of times I'm asking on behalf of other people. But God kept saying to me as I was driving here, do you believe, do you ask and imagine for yourself too? Because it's easy to say, this is what I'm asking for or imagining for, for someone else or for these children. But also, Lauren, you need to ask and imagine because I'm a good father who loves you. And that's the message for each one of us today. What are we asking and imagining God for? Because if we're not asking for anything, we're not activating our faith. And so if there isn't that thing that is in front of you that feels impossible, if there aren't those things that you say, God, this is far beyond anything I can do, then we're not activating our faith. And so that's the challenge that I want to give you. So what I need to ask and imagine for is God's full provision for me as a missionary. So in these last few years, I ask for a lot of other things. I ask for a lot of other people, but I rarely say the truth is if I don't ask for provision for myself, I'm not going to be able to keep doing what I'm doing for these children. So because we're family (laughs) and it's Christmas, I'm asking you to prayerfully consider coming alongside me through a one-time gift or through a monthly sponsorship or support and also prayer covering. Those are so important. And so um, after I speak and after I show the video, um, the guys in the back have uh, prayer cards that I'm going to pass out. And it just has um, my support address, my, the way that you can contact me. Um, find me on Facebook if you're on Facebook. A lot of you already are. Um, but I'm just so thankful to be here and to uh, share the need with you that I have personally, but also to share with you what God is doing through me in Guatemala. So I just want to read briefly um, to you from Ephesians 3 where in Ephesians 3.20 it says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ask or imagine, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And so God has put it on um, my heart and on the heart of our pastor and um, our ministry team in Guatemala to build a school for a 1,000 students. We talked a little bit about that last year when I was here. And so the name of our campaign, maybe you can guess, is called Imagine 1,000. And it's based on this verse because this is what God just kept showing us over and over again. So I want to transport you right now to Guatemala. I want to get prepare your mind. We're going to go to Guatemala. We're going to stand in a field that God just provided the money for us to buy so that we could build our school. So now we're preparing, we're raising money to build our school so that we can educate a thousand students. So you didn't know that you, would, you didn't need to bring your passport this morning, but all together I want to invite you to, to join me in Guatemala. I'm going to share a video with you now and I just want to say thank you and Merry Christmas. So you think God's at work? All right, we're going to go to Luke 2 today. So if you have your Bible, you can take it to Luke chapter 2 as we go through the Christmas story. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about uh, the story of the shepherds, really actually just a few elements of the story of the shepherds. And we're going to talk about mission today, your Christmas mission. So what is your mission in life, folks? 
What, if, I, if somebody came to you, I mean, maybe you're just so buried in the details of life that like mission, that sounds like too grand a plan. What is your mission? Why are you here? What are you trying to accomplish? What is your purpose for existence? There's probably a lot of day-to-day details, but what rises to the level of actually being your mission in life? Christmas is a, a shopping season for many people, and uh, shopping you know, has a stereotype that women go shopping in a different mode than men go shopping in, right? Have any of you shopped together as couples this season so far? How's that, how's that going? Yeah. There's two different approaches to this shopping together, right? Women like to, in general, stereotypically, like to see stuff to discover things they need. They like to walk around and look at stuff. Ooh, look at that. Where could I put that? What could I do? I like how that looks. Who could I give that to? Right? Is this women? Men, this is like atrocious to us. Like if I'm going shopping, I should know before I enter the store exactly what I want, what the price is, where it is located, and how to avoid all of the irritating people who might be in my way to somehow along the way stop to gaze at other things is just a failure, right? Am I right, man? So you have these two ideas of how to accomplish a mission. You know, one approach is uh, very, very dramatically different than the other. Both are trying to accomplish the same thing and to, to you know, have the gifts that I want to give, but they're two different approaches. The reality is in shopping for Christmas, no matter which approach you take, you can lose sight about what you're actually trying to accomplish. Not so much about gifts, but about Christmas, right? You can get lost in the small, the little M mission, and lose sight of the big M mission all the time. So I want to look through this very famous Christmas story and see what Christmas tells us about our mission as believers. Not the small M missions, and all of us have those, the big M mission. And so we'll do some context first, but I want to get to the end of this, to where there's this implied mission of the Christmas story. So Luke chapter 2, we're going to start at verse Uh, 8, and go down to verse 14 as we read this story about the shepherds who were in the field. Here's what it says. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified, as you could imagine. And the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. So we have this story that we're all pretty familiar with about the shepherds out in the field. The shepherds, um, not the most influential people, not the most important people, not the people that the town folk would go to and say, we have a problem, what do you think, shepherds? They're just shepherds. And these shepherds are, so they're, they're kind of like anonymous, invisible, unknown people, but they're also the people that are out of sync with the rest of the world. They're up at night while everybody else is asleep. The point of this story is that God chooses to include the shepherds. Think about this. The greatest news that has ever been told 
the greatest birth that has ever happened, the greatest birth announcement of all time, who does God have to tell about this? Who is God required to tell about the birth of his son? He doesn't have to tell anybody. Who does he choose to tell? He chooses to tell some people that nobody else would have thought to even include in a party invitation or in the latest news. They're out there in the field with a bunch of sheep. Who cares about them? And God says, I want those people included. I want them to be a part. Here they are doing whatever they're doing. And God says, I've got great news, the best news that's ever been in all of earth's history. A savior, the Messiah has been born. I got to find somebody to tell people about this. I've got to find somebody to include in this. If you were God Almighty sitting on your throne in heaven, who would you choose to include? Who would you choose to be the first one to tell about this great news? I mean, it's big news. You'd probably think to tell somebody, I don't know, important, (laughs) influential, somebody with power, somebody with a voice, somebody with position, somebody who's somebody, not somebody who's nobody. But God made it a point to include those that nobody else would have even seen. God made it a a point to say, I choose to bring you in. They're the ones who are out there, not because they wanted to be out there, because they had to be out there. And God says, listen, the greatest birth of all time has just happened, and I want you to know about it. And then, here's what I, for me, this is the point of this first little section here. I don't know if you picked up on it, but this is more than just news. Like at night, sometimes you turn on, turn on the news and watch the news, what's going on in the world, right? You know, what's the president-elect done lately and all, you know, what's the news? What's happened? What's the sports team won? What's the weather like tomorrow? What's the news, right? You don't always do, you, when the news is over, do you go say, well, now I need to change my life? Most of the time, turn the news off and you go, go to bed or go about the rest of your evening or whatever. You, the news is just information to you, right? But here in the middle of this, There's something more than just information. And I I don't know if you picked it up, but if you look at verse 12, it says, you know, after they told him, a Savior's been born to you. He's the Messiah of the Lord. Then he says this, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Did you catch it? What's the angel saying they should do with this news? Ah, don't just like, ooh, nice to know. Thanks for letting me know. Baby's been born. Cool. Did you hear? Yeah, baby. Yeah, cool. All right, good. Sheep, where are the sheep? He says, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now, the wrapped in cloths is probably not that big of a deal. Most babies probably wrapped in cloths. But the lying in a manger, pretty unique. So, hey, go look through the barns. Look where nobody would ever choose to have a baby Listen for the sound of a baby crying in a place where nobody should expect a baby. And when you find that baby, that's the one. The one that looks like it has no advantages. The one that looks like it will never amount to anything. The one that looks like it's lucky it was even born. That's the one. The Messiah, the Lord, the Savior. And you're invited to be included in the story. You're invited to come and see. I'm not just telling you so you'll know. I'm telling you so you can come and see, so you can be a witness, so you can be a part of the story. So what do the shepherds do? Well, pick it up with me at verse 15. 
Here's what it says. When the angel had left them and gone into the heavens, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So the shepherds decided, let's do this. So they went, they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. What do the shepherds do in response? They go. They go to find, they go to see, and sure enough, they find this baby. They recognize the invitation and they say, the Lord told us about this and he told us about this not so that we would just know. He told us about this so we would respond. So let's respond. Let's go and see. They recognize that the Christmas story for them, like we talked about last week, was an invitation for them to be included in this redemptive story of history from Almighty God. We take that too lightly, folks. The the grace that God has shown us, that he has chosen to include us in redemption. Did you deserve it? Did you need it? So isn't it awesome that God is who God is? And he chose to say, you don't have to be somebody important. You don't have to be somebody of accomplishment. You don't have to be somebody that even thinks that you've accomplished or done or lived a life that, that measures up. I want you in. I want to include you. And then you just have to say, well, that's for me, and respond to it. And here they come, responding to it. They come running to the manger. If you had this invitation, what would you do? You're a shepherd. You're out on a hill. A bunch of angels show up in the sky, and they tell you about a baby in a manger. What would you do? Well, I think if I saw a bunch of angels in the sky, I might do something about it. Is it the angels in the sky or is it the, the, the news they announced? Is it the spectacular or the substance? Which is it that moves you? So, and, and think about this because we know, of course, the shepherds went. They're on my mantle with the you know, manger. They're there. I, of course they went, right? But think about this. Why are the shepherds in the field? They're watching their sheep. What? Do we not know what happened next? The sheep? What happened to the sheep? It's like it's not even there. But here's the thing. The shepherds had every reasonable obligation to not respond. Ah, you know what? Thanks, angels, but I got sheep to watch. But here's the thing that I think sometimes gets lost for us. They were so excited about the news that God had given them that they could not imagine letting their responsibilities get in the way of responding to the news. They weren't looking for an excuse. They were passionate about going and engaging with what God had showed them. Too many Christians and too many people in this world find every excuse to ignore the invitation that God gives us to be included in his story. But these shepherds, they've got all the excuses they need. Nobody will know any different. We don't have to tell anybody about this. It's all, you know, God's only told us, so we don't have to tell anybody. And we're up here and, you know, I I would, I would, but the sheep, you know, I can't get away from the sheep. You know, it's just sheep all the time. And I'm just so overwhelmed with sheep. I, I would love to go see the baby thing, but you know what? I think I have to do this more important thing of, isn't that what we do? Every single Sunday morning, 
we get together to worship the king of the universe, to celebrate a God who gave his son to die for us. And we're like, you know, the game's coming on pretty soon. Uh, I'm a little bit tired today. We got all the excuses. Do you recognize the privilege we've been called to, to worship? Do you recognize the mission that coming and seeing is demanding of us, is inviting us into? So the shepherds, they don't say, well, you know, the sheep have been keeping me occupied. They run. Let's go and see this thing that the Lord has done. And so that same news that came to them comes to us in the Christmas story. God has sent his son in the flesh into this world. A savior has been born. And that's great, great news. Why? Because we are hopelessly broken, aren't we? Every single day that goes by in your life, if your eyes are open, you will have more and more evidence that we as a world, we as people, are hopelessly broken. You can bump into it in your neighborhood, in your home, in your school, at your job. You can turn on the news. You can see what's happening in the world. You can shake your head over and over again. And all of that just simply is proof that we are hopelessly broken. Sometimes you can recognize your brokenness for just yourself. Nobody else may be able to see it, but in your soul, you know how broken you are. And Jesus' birth, the Christmas story says... Guess what, broken world? Guess what, broken people? A Savior has been born to you, one to rescue you, a healer, a promised Messiah, someone who will redeem you. This is the best news of all time because we can spend all of our lives stamping down social injustice and, and, and meanness and cruelty and sin and lying and betrayal and hurt and disease But if we don't get down to the eternal root of our problem, we are broken in our spirit as people. We are wrecked eternally. It doesn't matter how much we do all this stuff. The greatest news for the greatest need is that a Messiah has been born to you, a Savior. What will we do? How will we respond? Is it nice to know Is it good to have in mind? Is it way off there in the distance? Or is it something that's mine? I think sometimes when we we look at the, the missions of our life, I've got to accomplish this, I've got to accomplish this, we lose the big mission. And it starts with coming and seeing. The Messiah has been born. Come and wonder. Come and see. Come and look at this little helpless baby in a manger, in a dirty manger, born with nothing, who is the Savior of the world. Perhaps we don't recognize it and we don't respond to it because we need to take one of the things that we know about the Christmas season and we need to apply it to seeing Jesus face to face. One of the things, and you'll hear this over and over again about the Christmas season, everybody's busy all the time at Christmas, right? Too many things to do, whatever. And then everybody always says, yeah, but I I don't want to lose what it's really all about, right? So we know that. None of us are very good at it, but we know that, right? Listen, that same principle is a principle for life. I know you're busy. I know you've got problems. I know you've got things going on. I know you've got stresses and pressures and all that. Don't let that make you lose sight of what it's all about. What's it all about? Jesus has come. 
Messiah has been born. There is a Savior for this world. The, the deep hurts, the deep wounds, the things that wreck us, there is an answer, and it's been given to us free at great cost to our God, but free to you and I. Best news that ever has been. It is the mission, it is the purpose of our life. And so maybe Christmas is the God-given reminder that we can't live in a swirl and miss out on what we can't afford to miss. And we see the shepherds in the next verse, they hurry off to find Mary and Joseph. They, they, you can sense their urgency and their excitement as they rush to see what the angels told them about. And, and guess what? When they got to the town and when they looked at the mangers, they found the baby. They hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Oh, guess what? The angels had just said, you'll find the baby where? Lying in a manger. And they went and they found the baby lying in a manger. In other words, God wasn't lying. He was true. He was right. He didn't call them to some fairy tale. Wouldn't it be nice if there was a Savior born in a manger? Yeah, that would be so sweet. We could make little things to put on our mantle and it would be so kind. We could have trees with lights on them. It would be so great. It's not a fairy tale. It's true. They went after they heard about it. They went and they found that it was true. The Christmas story invites us to believe that God is reliable, that what he says, no matter how impossible it sounds, no matter how hard to fathom it is, is actually true. Have you found it to be true? It's real. It's alive. And it's living and breathing in all those who believe, if you believe. And so he invites us to come and see. Usually when he invites us to come and see, it's not like with the shepherds with eyes. It's usually first with eyes of faith. Somewhere later on, we get to see what we've already believed. He said to them, there's a baby out there, a king of the world, savior of the world, born. He's in a manger. Go find him. They had to believe before they went, right? And then when they went, they found. Most of the time when God asks you to see something, he asks you to see it by faith first. He says, now, will you believe me? Will you trust me? Will you take all that chaos and doubt and fear and panic and, you know, all the, the emotion of it and go, yeah, I got all that. And go, I'm not going to believe that. I'm going to believe what God says is true. And I'm going to act like what God says is true. So I'm going to keep going forward into what he's asked me to go forward into. I mean, ultimately, we don't see heaven with our eyes. We're not standing in heaven right now, but we see it with eyes of faith. And we read in Revelation about streets of gold and the tree of life and the river of life. And we just kind of, we see it, but we, we believe it because faith shows it to us. One day, you and I are going to meet up on a street of gold. I don't know, we'll have a special handshake or something, but it'll be like, hey, street of gold. Remember we talked about this? December, isn't this awesome? I thought gold was gold, but this is gold. Like we can, it'll be there, we'll be there. We're not there now. And so because of that, we're called to believe it. We're called to see it with eyes of faith. For some of us, it's not about heaven. It's about what's happening in my life. Maybe right now, it's hard to see that God is faithful that God protects us, that God watches over us, that God walks with us. Maybe it's hard to see that when you look at the circumstances and situations of your life. But God invites us to see by faith that in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the fire, you can know that he's holding you by faith. You can go deeper than 
Oh, look what it looks like. And you can go by faith and see something that eyes can't see. Maybe we don't hurry to see what a God invites us to see because we don't believe we'll find what he promised. I mean, I, I wouldn't say that out loud. But the reason that I don't rush to see what God wants to show me is because I think that when I get there, it won't be what he said it was. God is true. And the Christmas story reminds us that for hundreds of years, he had promised a redeemer, a savior, and he came through on the promise and brought to pass everything he said. So let's assume, like the shepherds, we see the opportunity to come and see as a can't-miss invite from Almighty God. Let's assume that we came and we found him to be exactly what God promised, a redeemer, a messiah, a rescuer, a healer, the light of the world. Let's say we found that. The question I have for you today about your Christmas mission is what do you do with that? What do you do with that? There's something that's inevitably tied to the Christmas story, and that is our mission. So let's look at what the shepherds did with this news. God entrusted them with great news. What did that mean? There was something implied with the idea that God gave them this great news. So pick it up with me, verse 17 and verse 18. It says this, When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been, what they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. What did the shepherds do with this news? They did what comes natural. Well, we got this news. It's the best news ever. What do I do with it? Share it. Share it. What good does it do to find the perfect Christmas gift for somebody and give them that and see the smile on their face and then go on in your life if you're not interested and you're not engaged in sharing the best news you've ever heard. If you don't see it as part of your passion, as part of your calling, as your big M mission in life, what good is it? What good is any of this? If Christmas isn't a time to tell people about Jesus, then what is? Everybody's singing about, born is the king of Israel. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Oh, come all ye faithful. Come, let us adore. Everybody's singing it. Even people who don't even believe in God are singing it. I'm not saying you got to walk out of the church and start pounding on doors and shaking people. I'm not, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, do you have any understanding that you've been entrusted with great news and probably so that you will share it somewhere? And hopefully that you're excited about sharing it wherever you can. (laughs) Because it's great news. Not everybody's going to take it. Does that mean it's not great news? Not everybody's going to like you for telling them. Does that mean you shouldn't share it? Is there a calling implied in the Christmas story, a mission implied by those who have received this news? What the shepherds understood, how they responded was it was as simple as this. We got to tell other people about this. We got invited in, we got included, and so that we've got to tell everybody we bump into. The way it's said is like, as they went along, everybody that they came across, everybody in their path, they were like, hey, listen, what we just saw. Hey, you won't believe this. We were out in the field watching sheep, and these angels showed up and told us about this baby, and we went and saw this baby, and it was exactly what the angels said to us. And people are like, wow, really? They're like, yeah, it's right over there. Go over there and look. 
They couldn't stop themselves. They were so excited about the news and they believed to the depths of their soul that this was a launching point for their mission. Others have to know about this. We are just the first ones to know we've got to spread the news. The shepherds understood without anyone telling them that they had to go and tell. They understood that they got to go and tell. It was their privilege. In the New Testament, Paul compares Christians to soldiers. The reason that registers with me is because we're talking about mission today. What's our mission? What's our Christmas mission? Soldiers are people with a mission, right? And so Paul says, as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, he kind of connects the dots. He says, a good soldier does not get tied up in the affairs of civilian life. They have a mission. So they cannot afford to let the details override their mission. Can you imagine? A soldier who's been given a mission and he gets lost in the making sure he's got clean clothes and making sure he's got enough food and making sure his tent's all set and making sure his backpack's all together, making sure he knows where to stand in line. Sorry, I can't go do my mission because i got to make sure all these details are correct. What's the point of being a soldier? What's the point of being a Christian if I'm just wrapped up in all the details of this life? we got to take care of that stuff. But we don't have to live it. We don't have to carry the weight of it every single day. We don't have to let it occupy us to the degree where we excuse ourselves from our big M mission in this life. When was the last time that you shared Jesus with somebody? When was the last time that you were overwhelmed with how great of news this is that you couldn't help but tell someone about Jesus? And I'm not just saying, like, you just bump into somebody and you're like, hey, do you know Jesus died for your sins? Yes. Oh, get saved. Okay. I'm not saying that necessarily. Because that's kind of, there's something unnatural about just this form that we use, right? But, like, has God done anything good in your life? Has he shown you his faithfulness, his goodness? Has he showed up in your life at any point? And when he does, it's kind of hard to stop telling people about it, right? Like we were talking to some, starting some folks this morning that, that saw God's hand in their lives this week in really powerful ways. And it's like, if you bump into them and ask them how their week was, guess what's coming out? You wouldn't believe the faithfulness of God. You wouldn't believe how God came through. Why? Because I know it was God. And because it's so important to me, it just comes out. It's kind of like that. When we bump into people, are we giving testimony, witness of what God has done? Are we sharing Jesus with people? When we meet them in the middle of their brokenness, are we sharing that there's hope, that we know there's hope? Our mission comes out of the Christmas story to spread the word, that a Savior has been born, and that it's available to anyone who wants to come by faith, and put their trust in him. God will give you opportunities. People will come across your path, just like the shepherds as they walked along the road and they bumped into whoever they bumped into and they said whatever they were gonna say. I'm not suggesting that every person you bump into is meant for you to take and tackle them and share Jesus with them. But I would say the Christmas story implies that God wants you to be a part of sharing the news. Do you know where he wants you to be a part of it? Is your antenna up? Is your radar on? Sometimes it's by the way you live. You testify to the great news by living like that, like what God says about Jesus is true. Do you live like what God says about Jesus is true? And by the way, I'm also including online as I talk about living. Are you interacting with people in all those forums 
Like what God says about Jesus is true, that he's worth following, that he's worth trusting, that my life view is I trust the Lord and I follow him because he's right, because he's good, because he's powerful, because he's my hope, because he's my savior. Or do I interact like "Mm, that's a nice thing off there to the side, but it's not like anything big. Many times, sharing Jesus is by bearing witness, letting others know what I believe, what I'm seeing, what God is doing in my life, and why I choose to live the way I do. And then there are chances for us to organize and cooperate. Stuff like we're talking about today, like standing behind Lauren, right? Other opportunities that we have, that we team up together and we get the news out to people because it's the best news ever. Do you think a thousand years from now you're going to regret anything that you've poured into getting the news out? You think there might be other things you'll regret having spent your time or your money or your energy on? But you will never regret anything that you pour into getting the news out. So if at Christmas season we don't give more than just verbal assent or mental assent to this mission, if we don't rise up any further than that, then how could we possibly be doing anything at our mission but failing? It's not enough for us to say the king has been born, yeah. Like the shepherds sitting on the hill, yeah, the king's been born, that's great. They went and saw, and then they went and spread the news, right? Maybe you've come and seen. Maybe it's been a while since you've come and seen. Maybe you're too busy. Come and marvel at the baby that was born. And then respond by spreading the news. So we're going to close with a song today that uses a very familiar term, Noel. It's kind of this prayer to let the Lord activate you, to remind you of the mission, and give you eyes to see where he wants to deploy you in that mission. As you think about Christmas, how does it invite you to share the news? Well, it starts by coming and seeing. I invite you, come and see again. Come and marvel again at what God has done. And then let God give you the boldness and the opportunity to invite others to come and see. The word in this song is a word that that is pretty familiar to us for Christmas, but I don't know if you know what it means. It's the word Noel. Anybody know what the word Noel means? And if you do, I'm not going to let you speak, but just... Anybody really smart? Okay. Noel is, comes from the word for birth in French, the birth. Literally, the word Noel kind of means the birth. It's the birth. Like there's a lot of births. This is the birth. It's the celebration of the birth. When we talk about Christmas, when we talk about Noel, we're saying there was one birth that was bigger, better, more impactful than any other birth in all of history. It's the birth. And if you will come and see, then you will want to go and tell. You will want to invite others to come and see what you've seen so that they can have what God has given you. And so as this song sung, I invite you to come and see, but I invite you to do exactly what the shepherds did. Remember that now that I have the news, it's my opportunity to go and tell. And let's ask God to show us where he wants us to go and tell in our lives starting today.